From the brains behind Brains On, it's Smash Boom Best. The show for people with big opinions. Hi, I'm Molly Bloom, and this is Smash Boom Best, the show where we take two things, smash them together, and ask you to decide which one is best. Today's debate is a tussle between two terrific puzzlers. It's Rubik's Cube versus Origami. In one corner, it's producer and comedian Adaron Waldes Lassie ready to roll for Team Rubik's Cube. Paper beware, because it's hip to be square. Oh yeah, and in the other, we've got journalist Jed Kim ready to unfold some fierce arguments for Team Origami. Kids these days don't know how to entertain themselves. In my day, we didn't have smarty cellular telephones. All we had was paper to play with, and it was <laughs> awesome. You did say fierce arguments. I went with geriatric. <laughs> and here to judge it all is Sophie from Minneapolis. Sophie's a fan of the band Vampire Weekend, plays three instruments, and loves arguing with their friends and family about controversial topics like how much is too much screen time and can zombies be cannibals? Hi, Sophie. Hi, Molly. So, Sophie, zombies. Have you always had a passion for zombies? No, I have not, but <laughs> I, my friends and I, I got into an argument about it less than halfway through our first quarter of freshman year and still are divided. So what side of that are you on? I think it is not cannibalism because they're different species gotcha. and everybody else says it okay. is. You're like, once you become a zombie, you are no longer human, mm-hmm. is what you're saying. So it's not cannibalism. Yeah. What three instruments do you play? I play saxophone, clarinet, and drums. Oh my goodness. What was the first one you learned? I learned clarinet first and then switched to saxophone and then learned drums my freshman year and then learned clarinet again this summer. Is this like a drum kit, like in a rock band or like snare drum? What are we talking? Uh, I play snare drum for pep bands and then I full drum set stuff for a jazz band. Fun. Which is your favorite instrument of those three to play now? Oh, I don't know. I really like saxophone because I'm probably best at it. And Mm. then I like just playing drums because I like to hit things. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a great way to get some feelings out when you're having them. Mm -hmm. And I heard, okay, you have origami hanging in your room. Mm -hmm. And you have a neighbor who is a Rubik's Cube whiz. So do you feel like a special connection to either of these two sides more than the other? Is it equal? I'd say it's pretty equal. I mean, it's hanging in your room. Yeah. (laughs) It smiles upon you every day. Well, will Sophie crown origami or Rubik's Cube the smash boom best? There's no telling. Sophie, are you ready to judge today's debate? Yes. Wonderful. Before we dive in, let's review the rules of the game. Every debate consists of four rounds of argumentation, the declaration of greatness, the micro round, the sneak attack, and the final six. After each round, our judge Sophie will award points to the team that impresses them the most, but they'll keep their decisions top secret until the end of the debate. Listeners, we want you to judge too. Mark down your points as you listen. At the end of the show, head to our website, smashboom.org, and vote for whichever team you think won. All right, our own. Jed and Sophie. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do this. Oh, I'm ready to smash Rubik's Cube, just like anybody else who plays with one for more than two minutes. (laughs) Then it's time for the... Declaration of Greatness. In this round, our debaters will present a well-crafted, immersive argument in favor of their side. Then they'll each have 30 seconds to rebut their opponent's statements. 
We flipped a coin and our own. You're up first. Tell us what makes the Rubik's Cube the coolest cube in town. Hello, Mr. Microphone here, and welcome to the red carpet of the Toy Hall of Fame ceremony. I'm seeing some of the greatest toys of this and previous generations. Oh, hey, look, it's Barbie. Hello, everyone. What a wonderful day. Oh, up next, it's G.I. Joe. Knowing is half the battle. And here comes the Slinky. So many iconic toys. Oh, and look, it's the toy of the hour. Legos and Jengas, it's the Rubik's Cube. Hello, Mr. Mike. It's a beautiful evening to join the Toy Hall of Fame. R.C., you are such an icon. You've been working hard since the 1980s. How do you look so good? Oh, 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 and what colors are you wearing this evening? Well, I sleep in a vat of lotion, and I'm rocking the classic white, yellow, red, blue, orange, and green on each side, respectively. I call this look solved. And you look great. But I have to know, how did you become one of the world's most popular toys? That's a really great question. Well, persistence for one thing. This fun, stylish toy started out as a simple teaching tool developed in 1974 by an architecture teacher named Erno Rubik. Rubik would use an early version of his toy to teach his students about 3D movements. All right, class, who did their three-dimensional design homework? <clears throat> Not me, teach. I'm never going to like design school. I'm going to use all my education time drinking soda and ignoring my potential. Hmm. How do I reach these kids? Rubik continued to tinker until he built the now-famous cube. He used an early version with his students. They loved it. Soon, more people fell in love with the toy, and it became the IT toy of the 1980s. The Rubik's Cube was on the cover of Scientific American. It had its own animated TV show, and it spawned a best-selling 1981 book, The Simple Solution to Rubik's Cube. Why all the cube craze? <laughs> because the Rubik's Cube demands persistence. Solving it requires a personal commitment to push your mind and will. And unlike vague art forms that have no definable goal and require you to waste perfectly good paper, the Rubik's Cube has a finish line in the form of uniformity. And if you get really good at solving a Rubik's Cube, you won't just feel accomplished. You'll be eligible to enter tournaments all over the world as a speed cuber. That's right, speed cubing is the sport of trying to solve a Rubik's Cube in the shortest time possible. It's played all over the world, and there are various ways to speed cube. Blindfolded solving, solving with a single hand, and solving with the fewest moves. Winners receive prize money, awards, and probably the keys to a super cool speed cubing clubhouse. By the way, the fastest cuber ever? Currently, it's 21-year-old Californian Max Park. He solved one in 3.13 seconds. For context, here's 3.13 seconds of Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis in the News. It's hip to be square. Super short, right? You know what you can do with 3.13 seconds of origami? Get a paper cut. Ow! See? Pretentious paper folding may be a risk to your safety, but by solving a Rubik's Cube, you push your brain to think abstractly towards a single solution. You unconsciously learn the patterns of twists and turns you need to solve the more than 43 quintillion variations of the cube. Plus, puzzles like the Rubik's Cube have been shown to help improve your memory and fight dementia and Alzheimer's. It's fun and good for you. 
There are a lot of great reasons to love the Rubik's Cube. It's good for your brain, it's a sport taking the world by storm, but most importantly, it teaches people that no matter how daunting a puzzle might be, with persistence and creativity, anything can be solved. Oh, 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 uh, before we lose you, Rubik's, do you have any words for the kids at home? Follow your dreams, listen to your mothers, and remember, it's hip to be square. Wow, that cube puzzled its way into all of our hearts. Sophie, what stood out to you about Outer Own's Declaration of Greatness? I think the history behind it and how inspiring it was, because it can help fight dementia and help your memory. Yeah, very useful indeed. But Jed, I'm sure, has some other things to say about it. Mm -hmm. It's time for your rebuttal. You've got 30 seconds, and your time starts now. Yeah, I looked it up. More than 350 million Rubik's Cubes have been sold worldwide. That's according to the New York Times. 350 million chunks of plastic that are now <laughs> sitting in landfills because that's what you do with Rubik's Cubes. You throw them away. There are probably dolphins swimming around with these frustrating unsolved puzzle boxes in their gullets. Meanwhile, <laughs> origami made out of paper, which is recyclable and biodegradable. Sophie... The choice is clear. Boom, Rubik's Cube. Just so we're clear, Jed, your argument is that you don't want dolphins to be playing (laughs) the Rubik's Cube because you don't think dolphins are smart? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jed, it's time for your turn. Please tell us why origami is oh so awesome. Uh, How should I start? The possibilities are endless. Which is actually one of the coolest things about origami. I take a plain piece of paper, and you can make practically anything. At least that's what I told my five-year-old son. What do you want to make, pal? A cat. A cat, huh? That sounds kind of tough. Whoa, you are just diving right in. All right, I can't let a five-year-old show me up. Just pick a fold to try. Preferably one of the ones with a cool name. Mountain fold. Oh, that wasn't so hard. Actually, that's the second thing that makes origami so great. Yes, you can make mind-bogglingly complex things, but you can begin with simple stuff. Paper airplanes are origami. So are those paper fortune teller things you make your friends do on bus rides. Pick a number. Four. One, two, three, four. Open it up. You are totally going to beat Rubik's Cubes and be rich. Excellent. Valley fold. No, nuts. I didn't want to do that. Uh, And if you mess up, it's no big deal. It's just paper. If you keep with it, you can take origami to the next level. Paper cranes, boxes, flowers. Once you learn the basics, you don't even have to follow directions. You can be creative on your own. I've seen artists that have folded paper into super realistic insects or fantastical creatures, even robots. You're doing a great job, Jed. Keep it up. (laughs) It's not really known when or where origami began. Some think it was about 1,500 years ago in Japan. Others say it really started in China after paper was invented. What is clear is that it's evolved into a science as well as an art. Masters at folding use computers to design plans for things you'd never believe. I mean, I've even seen Iron Man folded from paper. 
Miura Ori. Not only does origami benefit from science, science benefits from origami. Have you ever heard of DNA origami? DNA is like the blueprint for living things. Researchers have figured out how to fold long strands of DNA into microscopic structures that do things like deliver medicine straight to cells. Other scientists are using origami to make really big things in space. See, scientists can't easily send up big things, so what do they do? Fold them to fit inside a spacecraft and have them unfold once they're out in space. Like NASA's Starshade. It's a giant sunflower-shaped disk that will unfurl in space and help block light around our telescopes up there. That way, those space telescopes can see even more new stuff. Houston, we have a Starshade. Finally, origami is cool because it's kind of like us. As kids, we start off like a blank piece of paper. Each thing you learn, every experience, is a fold that makes you stronger, makes you into something more complex and wonderful. Rubik's Cube is all about conformity, making things the same, taking a colorful cube and making it just one color per side. Sure, it's challenging. I've never solved one. But then I don't really see the point in trying really hard to make something boring. You don't have to be boring. There are an infinite number of things you can become. And it's always exciting to see what turns out. Like this hat I made. Ta-da! You call it a triangle on my head. I call it a hat. Origami is often abstract. Like whatever my son is making. Mountain fold, mountain fold, valley, mount, crumple, crumple, smush. How's it going there, buddy? You'd be going for a kitty cat, but wait a minute. That kind of looks like, is that a <gasps> lion? Wow. Celebrating the creativity in all of us from teeny tiny to out in space. Incredible. Sophie, what stood out to you about Jed's argument? Uh, the not having to follow directions stood out to me because I am not one to follow directions when they're in front of me. (laughs) That's right, Sophie. You like that you can be, follow your own drummer. Oh, All right. Otteron, it's time for your rebuttal. You've got 30 seconds to crumple Jed's argument, and your time starts now. Ooh, let's begin the crumpling. So you're telling me that origami is so good and incredible, but at the same time, it's so ignorable that we don't even know when it originated? <laughs> People just started doing this and they're like, oh yeah, when did this come up? Uh, who who cares? I'm not going to write this down. <laughs> That's how origami started. Also, you've mentioned all the great things origami can be. Um, isn't it interesting that origami never asks us to do something original? It just asks us to imitate reality by forming pieces of paper into some into interesting shapes that we can kind of approximate and to the pieces of art. What original about a cube? <laughs> it's the original, original. <laughs> Sophie, it's time to award a point. You get two points to award now. You're going to give one point to the Declaration of Greatness you liked best and one point to the rebuttal that won you over. You get to decide what makes a winning argument. Did one team's jokes make you giggle? Was another team's a logic to die for? Award your points, but don't tell us who they're going to. Both points could go to the same person, or each person could get a point. Have you made your decision? Yes. Excellent. (laughs) 
Jed and Otteron, how are you two feeling so far? I'm feeling very good. A little attacked, but <laughs> I'm otherwise good. <laughs> I'd be willing to try a Rubik's Cube. Oh. Can my opponent say the same? Aron? I would absolutely try a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, that's sounds... <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. But to answer your question, yes, I, 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 could, I could see some paper folding in my future. Oh, you'd like to fold? Oh. <laughs> it's time for a quick break. Let's all practice patience, precision, and attention to detail. And we'll be right back with more Smash Boom Best. You're listening to State of Debate, home to rage and rhetoric and awe-inspiring argumentation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's me, Debate Dude with a Good Attitude, Todd Douglas. And I'm Taylor Lincoln, the extinguisher of fallacies, the exterminator of bad arguments, the destroyer of worlds. Um, Taylor, you okay? Sure am. Logical fallacies just really get under my skin, you know? Totally. They're statements that make your arguments weaker, and no one wants that. Speaking of, I recently spotted a red herring fallacy in the wild. Ooh, red herring fallacies make me so mad. That's when someone doesn't have any good points to make, so they change the topic to something easier to argue about. Check out these two grown adults arguing over whether or not to buy snacks at the big baseball game. It's so fun to finally see a game in person, right, Jerome? The energy is electric. Oh, you said it, Gerald. And don't forget about the delicious, tasty, yummerific stadium snacks. Not sure I'd call them yummerific. I think I'd call them overpriced. No way. The price is totally worth it. A hot dog tastes so much better at the stadium. No way is it worth it. I can't justify paying $18 for a hot dog. That's why I packed my own snacks. You snuck in a giant sandwich in your pockets? That's going to taste like all the pennies and, and lint. Your sandwich is yucky. That's why you need to buy stadium snacks. I think storing it in a pocket gives it more flavor. Besides... I thought we were arguing whether stadium food is worth it, not whether my snacks are tasty or not. Wowza! Jerome decided he had no good way to argue stadium food is worth it, so he changed the subject. The red paint is for your faces to show your team colors, not for the herring you snuck in your pocket. Mm, excuse me? Uh, that was a clumsy way of saying red herring fallacies are not a good idea. Ah, Todd, you're not clumsy. You have a quiet elegance and grace. Aw, thanks, Taylor. And that's all we have time for on this week's State, State of Debate. Boom, 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 smash, boom, best. You are listening to Smash Boom Best. I'm your host, Molly Bloom. And I'm your judge, Sophie. And we love getting debate suggestions from our listeners. Take a listen to this seasonal smackdown from Gilad. My debate idea is summer versus winter. I'm feeling pretty hot and cold about that debate idea. 
We'll check back with Gilad at the end of this episode to see which side they think should win. And now it's back to our debate of the day, Rubik's Cube versus Origami. That's right. And it's time for round two, the... Micro Round. For the Micro Round Challenge, each team has prepared a creative response to a prompt they received in advance. Adron and Jed's prompt was the Dingle Hopper. For this challenge, we asked them to list three uses for their side other than what they're really used for. For example, if you were arguing for the side of forks, you might argue that forks are the best combs ever. They're great at untangling the nastiest knots. Adron went first last time, so Jed, you're up. Fold us into the many mysteries of origami. Number one. Homework. Let's say you didn't do an assignment. Just turn it in as origami and your teacher will be too delighted to notice. You'd say, no, Miss Oliver, don't unfold it. That's a gift. Thanks for being such a great teacher. Yeah, I will take an A. Thanks. Number two. Picture this. Your friend has cooked up a meal that is super gross, but you don't want to hurt their feelings. Origami that glop into a woodland to blow. Squishy squirrels, a stinky moose, a burned rock. It's too beautiful to eat. Number three. Mm-hmm. Do you have ugly wallpaper from like the 90s in your living room? Unpeel a large panel of that hideous mess and fold it into something the room really needs, a life-size origami replica of Harry Styles, because that will stay relevant forever. Forever! <laughs> forever indeed, Adron. Now it's your turn to square up about the rewards of the Rubik's Cube. There are so many great uses for the Rubik's Cube, the first one I could think of was the pet Rubik's Cube. You've heard of a pet dog. You've heard of a pet rock. Well, now you're about to hear about a pet Rubik's Cube. The PRC does everything a pet rock does and 1% of what a pet dog does. Pet it, scold it, place a bowl of food in front of it and wonder if it'll eat. It's pet-tastic. Thing number two, the Rubik's Cube makes for a great foot mine. Yes, a foot mine. Place it on your carpet and turn off the lights. Your enemies and likely loved ones will eventually step on it and it'll sting like crazy. And lastly, the Rubik's Cube is a great way to momentarily distract International Speed Cube champion, Max Park. <laughs> How many times has this happened to you? You're running through the woods trying to avoid International Speed Cuber, Max Park. If you're like me, too many times. Next time it happens, throw a Rubik's Cube at him. He'll solve the thing in three seconds, but that could be all you need to escape. So many uses. <laughs> I can't get them. Three seconds? Was it like already almost solved? And he just had to twist it Oh, once? you got to watch these videos of these speed cubers. Oh, yeah. They, I don't know what to tell you, Jed. When you're running for your life, three seconds <laughs> could be the difference between life and death. Also, like, let's not point fingers. You told me to fold a piece of terrible food into <laughs> a table, I think you said. Uh, like, that was your line? What if you're, what if you're eating soup? Like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you're both really thinking outside the box here. Well, are you going to twist the head off your Rubik's pet? <laughs> You couldn't possibly. It, it'll just spin around. Oh. Yeah, see? 
Looks like we got a, like a future customer and Miss Molly Bloom over here. How about you, I, Sophie? Like the... I had a pet rock as a child, so hey. it's very appealing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Sophie, what stood out to you about Otteron and Jed's micro rounds? I was not expecting to hear that a Rubik's Cube can defeat is it Max, Max, Max Park. Park. Max Park when you're running through a forest. <laughs> but it can't defeat him. He'd solve it in three seconds. That's all you need, Sophie. You're gonna, you're like he's not gonna he's not gonna catch you. Like And what about the uses for origami? I uh, I mean, in theory you can fold food, but it depends on the texture of the food. You know, I gotta say, my favorite way to eat a piece of pizza is folded. The <gasps> texture, it explodes Good point. in a really excellent way. All right. Sophie, it is time to award a point. Again, the criteria are up to you. Was someone more creative with their alternative uses? Did someone make you laugh? Did someone make you think? Did someone make you feel? Totally up to you. So please, award a point for this micro round, but don't tell us who it's going to. Have you made your decision? I have. Wonderful. Then it's time for our third round, the super stealthy... (laughs) Sneak attack. This is our improvised round where debaters have to respond to a challenge on the spot. Today's sneak attack is called Carnival Barker. Debaters, in this challenge, you're trying to lure people into buying your item. Sell them on why this thing is what they want. Give a special spiel. Be a pushy salesman. Do what you gotta do to make this sale. We're gonna give you 30 seconds tops. All right, we're going to start with our own. Convince us to buy your favorite colorful cube, and your 30 seconds starts now. Come on, come on, come on down to the carnival to pick up your favorite brand new toy. It's not, it's, it's not one-dimensional, it's not two-dimensional, it's three-dimensional. It's the Rubik's Cube. Tell me, have you ever been so bored of just all the singular colors that you see from a cube? Try the Rubik's Cube. It's got so many different colors, six different colors and so many variations. How many? I don't know, 43 quintillion. You can't even count that high, but this cube can make that many variations. Also, this thing's great at, dis- at distracting California. Max Park. <laughs> wow. Take Max my Park money. is going to mess you up. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay, Jed, it's your turn. Persuade us oh, to man. purchase your perfect paper sculpture, and your time starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, come inside to see the most amazing contortionist you've ever seen. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's. Flat. She's made of paper? Well, not for long. Fold once, and she's, I don't know. And she keeps going, and now, what is that? that is, you're telling me that's a bird? Uh, all right. Doesn't look like a bird. A crane, you say? Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You've seen everything now. Okay. I, uh. Came up with that right on the spot. Can yeah, you we could tell. These improvised rounds, you never know no. what's going to happen. Okay, Sophie, think about which side impressed you the most and award your fourth point. Again, the criteria are up to you. Did someone really sell their wares to you effectively? Did someone puzzle you with their choices? Whatever the criteria are, it's up to you. Have you made your decision? Yes. Excellent. Then it's time for the final round. The final six. In this round, each team will have just six words to sum up the glory of their side. Jed, let's hear your six words for the power of paper. 
origami for the discerning artsy nerd. <laughs> As a discerning artsy nerd, I appreciate the shout out. Okay, Adron, it's your turn. Give us the goods on the cutest cube. Just six colors. All deserve gold. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. That's a thinker there. Okay, Sophie, it is time to award a final point for this final six. Have you made your decision? I have. All right, tally up those points. Are you ready to crown one team the Smash Boom Best? Yeah. All right, drum roll, please. And the winner is... Rubik's Cube. Oh! oh. <laughs> Consider Rubik's this debate solved. me again. <laughs> ba -ba 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 bam <laughs> Wow, Sophie, was there a moment that really pushed things over the edge for Rubik's Cube? Uh, I think Rubik's Cube's um, Carnival Barker one really pushed it over the edge. I really like that. You were sold. Yeah. The Carnival Barker successfully sold you on Rubik's Cube. Nicely done. Oh, Jed, you are so great. We shouldn't call you Jed. We should call you Jem. That's how incredible you are, <laughs> sir. I learned so much about the incredible power of origami. This art form is so versatile and open and willing to, like, just, you know, take on so many shapes and sizes for all different types of people. You know, Aron, I appreciate that so much, and I feel like I'm maybe I'm ready to pull that Rubik's Cube out of the garbage can that I threw it in many, many years ago. And you've inspired me. I will join you in your quest to take down Max Park. <laughs> I'm really glad that's the takeaway for today. I'm really, I'm really excited for this. I'm really excited for us to try and take down his, uh, his speed cubing score. That's it for today's debate battle. Sophie crowned Rubik's Cube the Smash Boom best, but what about you? Head to smashboom.org and vote to tell us who you think won. Smash Boom Best is brought to you by Brains On and APM Studios. It's produced by Molly Bloom, Rosie DuPont, Ruby Guthrie, Anna Weggle, and our own Wolf Celeste. We had engineering help from Derek Ramirez with sound design by Anna Weggle. Our editors are Shayla Farzan and Sandin Totten. We had production help from Anna Goldfield, Mark Sanchez, and Nico Gonzalez-Whistler. Our executive producer is Beth Perlman, and the APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Our announcer is Marley Foyer Worker Otto, and we want to give a special thanks to Austin Cross and Taylor Kaufman. Adron, anyone you'd like to give a shout-out to today? Absolutely. He's gotten a lot of attention today, but I want to thank Max Park. <laughs> thank you so much for everything you've accomplished. And to a lesser degree, my mother, thank you so much. <laughs> I love you wherever you are. <laughs> You're probably at home. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jed, any special shout-outs or thanks? Yeah, I got to thank my son, Bruce. Megan Hazel, Andrea Mustaine, Ethan Blumenfeld, and Kevin and Elliot Thompson for their voice talents. Also, Elliot and Kevin for music and production help. Hooray! Sophie, any special thanks or shout-outs you'd like to give today? Uh, thanks for driving me here, Dad. That's right. Thank you for driving Sophie here, Dad. Before we go, let's check in with Galad and see who they think should win the summer versus winter debate. My debate idea is summer versus winter. I think summer would win because you get to go to the beach and there's no school. Do you have an idea for a knockdown dragout debate? Head to smashboom.org and tell us about it. We'll be back with a new debate battle next week. Goodbye! Bye.
Max Park is so awesome, he'll rearrange your face and put it back together. Ooh. Max Park is so charismatic. Uh, you'd be lucky to date a shadow. <laughs> Max Park once put together a Ford F-150 in under 15 seconds. <laughs> Max Park is so good at the Rubik's Cube. He doesn't consider them solved. He considers them parked. 